Before we get started today, I wanted to take one minute of your time to talk about another project I'm working on. For the past two years, I've been working to help start a new organization, the Living Planet Alliance. We're a nonprofit that helps nurture and jumpstart fledgling activist projects by providing tax-exempt status and accounting services. It doesn't sound very exciting, but that's kind of the point. When you're fighting for a living planet, you don't have time to read the tax code. Living Planet Alliance takes that stuff off the plate of activists so they can focus on activism. We'll be working with projects that build healthy human communities, help the living world recover, and help to stabilize the climate. I'm reaching out to you guys today because we're trying to get our initial funding off the ground. We're looking for $500 in startup costs. That's website hosting fees, accounting software, organizational insurance, all those things, things to pay our awesome bookkeepers, that sort of stuff. You can donate at livingplanetalliance.org donate. Thank you very much, and on with the show. Welcome to Heating Up, a podcast about climate change, our dangerous future, and what you can do about it. Oh, wait, we were supposed to do that part together. Yeah, you you were the one that. Well, you know, it was pretty good otherwise. Okay. If it was on okay. purpose, just to do one for one, pretty good. Yeah, great times. Uh, so this is episode 14. Oh my gosh, 14 yeah. episodes already. Crazy. Time flies. So this is a podcast, like we said, about climate change. We go through the news on a show like today. We'll go through news and nonsense regarding climate change. And then we're going to do a little discussion at the end. And then later this week, we'll release a podcast about uh, emergency preparedness. So that'll be about communications in a disaster, both before and during. Anyways, Corinne, news. what's new with you? No, new with me. Nothing yet. Game of Thrones, new tonight. Yeah, so Game of Thrones tonight. Getting ready for it. Got to resubscribe to HBO. <laughs> Not that I unsubscribe every time the Game of Thrones ends. HBO, don't get a hint. I feel like we've been tricked by the media companies because, like, when Netflix first came out, you know, seven ninety nine for right. you know movies or whatever. Okay, great. I'm willing to pay less than $10 to not pirate things and not give my computer right, a disease. Right. And, you know, have to... Because nobody, I think, we really... We don't want to be thieves. We didn't want to pirate. But you got to make it reasonable for us. Exactly. So Netflix seemed reasonable. And then it was like, oh, Netflix and Hulu. Like, okay, well, Hulu's like TV right now. Okay. And then Amazon, you're like, well, I guess I want my packages in two days, so yeah. I might as well pay for that. So you get, yeah. And then, and then it's like, oh, and Disney's going to have their own. Oh, man. And, the and Disney HBO one, that's... has got its own. Dis- and now Stars has got all their shows. And it's like, there's 50, and then CBS All Access if mm-hmm. you're a nerd. Or, there's like, a, a mil- DC Universe has got its own. And like, there's so many of them now. We're going to hit our limit again. And we're going to start Basically, pirating yeah. again. Like, that's the same thing. I used to download, you know. Not 100% on the up and up, right? I used, to, <laughs> I used to download and I said, and I used to get into arguments with Brent about it. Brent's like, well, you're making the price go up. And I was like, no, no, no. If the price were reasonable, I would pay for it. And they reach a certain threshold where your average American cannot buy cable. I'm going to have to steal it. I sure. just, what am I going to do? And you don't get everything you get with cable right. with this stuff. So right. I like watching sports and I don't get a lot of live sports. And I know there are other programs that I can pay to get live mm-hmm. sports too, but I'm like, that's just one more. If like, if they could give me internet and cable for less than $100 a month, I would do it. Yeah, I would do it. It doesn't do seem it. like it's possible. But they're like, oh, we're going to have to make you pay at least 200 And you're like, fuck you. No way. I'm going to steal from you now. You Look what you made me do. You made me do this. You did this you to me. This. I don't want to be a thief. I don't want to be a criminal. I just want to pay a reasonable price for something that should basically be free already. Yeah. 
So I guess I'm going to have to pull out the old downloading for free. All right. Uh, well, that's uh, new for us in TV, I guess. <laughs> Not <laughs> even really new. That that's just about. our like year-long complaint. <laughs> well, we did uh, have our first event. Heating Up Podcast helped host the recent showing of The Reluctant Radical about activist Ken Ward. Uh, it was one of the valve turners who uh, shut the pipe. So, yeah, that went really well. We had like 60 people show up, so good times. All for us. Yeah, and we're actually having a new another event in another week or so. We're going to be at the Sacramento Earth Day Fair. Come check us out. Yeah, it'll be at Southside Park on April 28th. We won't have a booth, per se. We'll be wandering around, but we're going to try and get Heating Up t-shirts to wear. <laughs> so we're going to be wandering around talking to people about climate change and disasters i feel so like we should bring our mic and yeah we'll, we'll see what we can do we got some business cards oh we got business cards yeah we can pass them out to people who look real pro yeah super pro yeah good times more uh events hopefully in the future mm-hmm. yeah that's about it i guess news time news time what I is the spin on the news this week so I, I we've been doing like the news good news bad news for a little while still have some good news mixed in but now we're gonna do it NPR news quiz style. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so you get some I've trivia. I'm going to fail it. But <laughs> yeah, you are. I used to listen to NPR every day until someone became president and I couldn't take it. And I used to love this game. The wait, wait, don't tell yes. me. Yes. Yeah. So good. So what will the way I've got it going on is I'm going to read a news story and then I'll ask you a related trivia question. Okay. So... Uh, the trivia questions are a bit heavy on geography. Oh, because, that's a bad one. Yeah, that's a bad one for you, Everyone's going to... I'm going to really review my public school education right now. Because I had to think of a question about these things, and as we go around the world, I'm like, oh, this is a story about Brazil. What's a fact about Brazil or whatever? Speaking of Brazil, that's where we start with. Okay. Yeah. I know a lot about that. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so state of emergency was declared in Rio de Janeiro this past week as flash flooding has killed over 10 people. Large parts of the city were inundated, including Coca Cabana and many other large neighborhoods. Major roads remained closed and impassable when I last checked. More than 15 inches of rain fell in the Coca Cabana neighborhood within a 24-hour period, causing roads to turn to rivers. These rains are absolutely abnormal for this time of year, Mayor Marcello Srivella told reporters. None of us expected so much rain. And like I said, 15 inches in 24 hours, the average rainfall for the entire month of April is just over 4 inches. Yikes. Uh, in northern Brazil, a ferry collided with a bridge due to very high water. So, like, the water was oh. so high that the ferry tried to go under it and, like, knocked out this bridge. So, like, cars went into the water. A couple people died, I wow. believe, in that, uh, collapsing the bridge. At least five people are still missing due to this incident. So. Yikes. Yeah. So, not great in Brazil. Lots of flooding. Corinne, what is the capital city of Brazil? Ooh. I can give you four choices. Yes, please. All right. Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro. Brasilia or Buenos Aires? Buenos Aires? That's the only one not in Brazil. God damn it. <laughs> Brasilia is the capital of it Brazil. Seemed it seemed too that obvious. That seemed like it wasn't even really a place. <laughs> that's, that's the I capital. knew it wasn't uh, the one with the, the Jesus thing. I was like, it's not you that one. You don't know one. which city that is. Is That's Rio de Janeiro, is isn't it? it? Okay. Uh, I yeah. thought so. Uh, well, that's surprising that you knew that one, but well, you didn't know that you don't Buenos know Aires that I know is that Argentina. One. Listen. Your knowledge is very odd. I'm, I think we're going to find some weird contours of your geography <laughs> knowledge. It's going to be basically what you remember from Carmen Sandiego. Or 30 Rock. Yeah, or 30 Rock. All right. Winter Storm Wesley. This is the second bomb cyclone uh, in the last two months. So they, they just are repping up for another one. Wesley? Yeah. That's the name of it. Doesn't it. sound threatening, but I'm sure Apparently, it is. Apparently, it has been pretty threatening. I mean, 90,000 people were without power at some point on Thursday. Where is Do, this? 
This is all over the Midwest. Okay. Let me tell the story. Well, you didn't get to it fast enough. I get one sentence in <laughs> The very next sentence says, Nearly 90,000 people were without power at some point on Thursday due to the massive winter storm that struck the northern Midwest. Blizzard warnings extended over 700 miles and six states as the second bomb cyclone in a few weeks impacted the area. Minnesota Governor Tim Walz declared a state of emergency Thursday night in 64 counties and three tribal nations to deal with the heavy snow and flooding. More than 870 flights had been canceled. Uh, the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, one of the poorest areas in the country, was bracing for the winter storm that could bring more flooding, the Associated Press reported. They, of course, were hit by severe flooding the last time around last month, and they were still cleaning that up. And then another one comes around. Hmm. In March, winter storm Ulmer. So Ulmer? Wesley, better name than Ulmer. Who is coming up with these names? They, I think they have to go by letters of the alphabet they or something. Do, I don't know. but what the... I mean, come on. Ulmer? No one's ever made up. Okay. Yeah. Damage is going to be in the hundreds of millions, tribal spokesman Chase Ironize said. They are be beginning to dry out, and now there's a huge blizzard predicted. On this reservation, it's kind of a constant crisis, the way we live here. And these disasters just put us in a more perilous position. Yeah. Great. Not great. Uh, one state heavily impacted by both of these winter storms has been Colorado. Which of the following states oh, no. do not share a border with Colorado? Oh, no. Is this just embarrass Corinde? Nebraska, Idaho, New Mexico, or Oklahoma? New Mexico. No. Damn it. Which one was it? Idaho. Damn. I thought yeah. it was close. Yeah, and I Colorado's through, further west I went through Idaho, and I was like, eh, maybe. Yeah, see, the thing is with this question, I don't think this one was unfair, because you have been to Colorado, been to New Mexico, been to Idaho. I have not Idaho. been to New Mexico. Yes, you have. Uh, not as someone over the age of 10. Okay, you were a child, but you've been there. <laughs> okay. Under the age of 10, I do not. Okay, you cannot fair enough. fault me for that. But you've been to Idaho and Colorado. In the last couple of years, yeah. yeah. Not mean, Colorado in the last couple of years. Not since I was literally 10. Okay. Well, either way, you should know it. Even if you haven't been there, you've seen maps. You live here. Does I all have to be geography-based? They I'm are going... not all geography. In fact, the next one, not geography-based. Okay. Based. I got a chance then. Snake hunters in the Big Cypress National Preserve in Florida captured the largest invasive python ever recorded last week. Oh, that's cool. Wait, yeah. They weighed... captured it. Well, they killed it. I'm oh. sure. Well, they want to kill it. It's an invasive species. Oh, it's it's murdering everything. Okay. Yeah. Python's not native to Florida. Uh, somebody's pet got the, out yeah so this one weighed 140 pounds and was also carrying 73 eggs Whoa. Uh, environmentalists have been struggling to eradicate 73 eggs yeah apparently snakes laid shit ton of eggs i don't know that's crazy environmentalists have been struggling to eradicate the non-native snakes since the 1980s when they were released as overgrown pets also others apparently escaped a breeding facility wrecked by hurricane andrew in 1992 Eesh. so there's an unintended you know consequence of a natural disaster right there yeah the snakes are decimating local wildlife. Populations of raccoons, bobcats, and possums have fallen between 88 and 99 percent. Bobcats? And, are yeah. the bobcats being eaten they by eat these things? They eat anything. They eat deer. They eat whatever they can dislocate their jaw and get her. No. Wow. They eat everything. In fact, entire several species of rabbit and the fox have all disappeared. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Experts believe tens of thousands of the snakes are still slithering in the Everglades. Uh, this one was caught via what they call a Judas snake. So what? what, they, what yeah, <laughs> uh, you you might see articles for this one where it says like snake's boyfriend helped catch it. So essentially, they catch males and they like make them infertile, and then they put a like radio tracker on them, and they follow the snake as it goes into the Everglades or whatever. And I guess they can tell when it's probably mating with other snakes, and oh, then they man, go this find is the other snake. So evil, I love it. Yeah. All right. So like I said, the snake was 140 pounds, but how long do you think this snake was? 14 feet, 17 feet, 20 feet, or 23 feet? 17 feet. 
You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. One Wasn't and two. <laughs> it was just over 17 Just had enough be geography. Yeah, good times. Allstate agents are giving away over 10,000 disaster preparedness kits starting this week. Allstate insurance? Yeah, starting right. Monday, April 15th across the states of Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. No California? No. To better prepare families for commu- and communities for disasters of all kinds. These kits, unfortunately, are coming a bit too late for some residents, however, as heavy rains in eastern Washington, Oregon, and Idaho caused severe floods last week. The Nez Pierce tribe declared a state of emergency this past Tuesday due to flooding which shut down roads and has caused lots of damage on their tribal lands. Seattle is the 15th largest metro area in the United States. What metro area is number 14? Detroit, Minneapolis, Riverside, San Berdu, or Baltimore? Minneapolis? Minneapolis is wrong. Damn it. Detroit. I thought maybe because that's where you wanted Can you guess where Sacramento is on the list? Uh, are we like 20th? 27th, yeah. Okay. Yeah, not bad. Hey, that was a pretty good educated guess. Yeah, didn't even have to have multiple choices. <laughs> All right, speaking of emergency preparedness giveaways or whatever, Alameda over in the Bay Area just hosted an emergency preparedness day on Saturday mm. uh, to help get local residents to take preparedness measures, kind of like this podcast. Just to hit the point home, I think, two separate minor quakes struck the county <laughs> on Saturday. Just so shake everything up. Yep. A 2.9 quake hit Berkeley roughly an hour before the event, and then at around noon, a second 2.7 quake struck down in Oakland. How many years ago was the Great San Francisco Earthquake of 1906? You're going to get five seconds. Uh, 117. 113. Damn it. <laughs> I couldn't give you too long for this one. <laughs> Uh, major quakes have historically occurred every 100 to 150 years along the faults crisscrossing the Bay Area. <laughs> that so. was cruel. Now you're just showing everyone my worst intelligence. <laughs> can't you do the math. For, can't you do asked geography. for the quiz. Where is your pop quiz? What? On NBC television. <laughs> like, should all of these questions relate back to 30 Rock? Yes. Basically a 30 Rock trivia. Parks and Rec. Want. I could do that too. <laughs> okay. All right. Remember a few weeks ago when the disaster relief bill that was scrapped due to Donald Trump's objections over funding Puerto Rico? Remember oh, we covered that? Yeah, we did. Well, Congress has left for vacation without passing a replacement bill, so leaving millions of Americans without desperately needed relief in Puerto Rico and across the United States. But they need to go on vacation. Yeah, the average American receives only 10 days vacation, and most people much less. According to www.trumpgolfcount.com, how many trips to golf courses has Donald Trump taken since his inauguration? Ooh, is there multiple choice for it? Yes. Okay. 103, 124, 156, or 168? 168. 168 is right. (laughs) I was thinking it's the biggest number. (laughs) It's going to be whatever. The most recent was this weekend. 168 since he's been in office. And he's been in office for a couple of years, two years, something like that. Yeah. It's a lot of well, trips. Well, you know, I think Barack golfed once. I think there's only evidence that he's actually golfed like something like 80 times. But he's been to golf courses or resorts 150 Have we times. talked about that Scottish guy that hates Donald Trump and has on Donald Trump's, he like has a house on Donald Trump's uh, golf course and he puts up mean signs? Uh, no, I don't think we have. Okay. We should get him on the podcast because he's great. Yeah, okay. He trolls Donald Trump in real life. It's great. so good. Somehow related to climate change or disaster preparedness, and he's in. Next up, this could be a sign of the apocalypse or some sort of disaster. We don't know. Taylor Swift (gasps) has posted a cryptic doomsday countdown clock on all of her uh, social media. It's definitely not a plug for something else. It could be a new album. It could be a countdown clock to doomsday. Who knows? But it's set to go off on April 26th, so we'll find out in a couple weeks. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swift is the youngest person to win Album of the Year. Uh, which year did she win that? 
Four months after the campfire destroyed the northern California town of Paradise, city council members in the neighboring town of Chico voted this week to declare a climate emergency that threatens their lives and well-being. Chico's emergency declaration on calls on the city to eliminate all greenhouse gas emissions by the year 2030, among other demands that echo those included in the Green New Deal. The campfire didn't spread to Chico. It stopped just 10 miles or so away, but thousands of Butte County residents relocated there after they lost their homes. And given the devastating fire seasons California has faced in recent years, new and long-term residents alike want their local leaders to take a more proactive approach to dealing with these emergencies. The campfire was the deadliest and most destructive wildfire in California history to date. But what was the largest fire in terms of area burnt? Was it the Ranch Fire of 2018, which burned in Mendocino? The Thomas Fire of 2017, which burned in Santa Barbara? The Cedar Fire of 23, or yeah, of 2003, rather, which burned in the San Diego County? Or the Rim Fire of 2013, which burned in Stanislaw National Forest? The ranch fire? The ranch fire is oh, right. Oh, I hate to yeah. celebrate this, but well, yeah, I kind of knew that. Yeah. You got it. Good one. It burned uh, over 400,000 acres, surpassing the Thomas Fire to become the single largest modern California wildfire. Depressing. Uh, There's so many to choose from. Yeah. Chico isn't alone in declaring a climate emergency. The Vunit Gitwin First Nation in Yukon will be declaring a climate emergency, as they say their traditional way of life is at stake. In June, delegates from the tribe will be traveling to the Arctic Indigenous Climate Summit in Fort Yukon, Alaska, where they will invite communities across the Arctic to join them. News of this, this declaration comes on the heels of NOAA figures stating that this was the warmest March on record for Alaska, with an average temperature that was 15.9 degrees Fahrenheit hotter than usual. That's How hot is that, though? That's crazy Negative hot. 70 still? But, no, but I mean, a jump of 16 yeah. degrees that's is a lot. insane. That's a lot. Alaska also hit 70 degrees for the first time ever in March this year. Wow. Yeah, so that's not great. No. Uh, here's some good news, though. Captive orcas and belugas are to be released from a Russian whale jail. <laughs> Say Russian whale jail ten times fast. <laughs> the Russian government and two environmental groups have come to an agreement which to eventually release 10 orca and 87 beluga whales that have been held for months in cramped pens surrounded by ice in Sridhyana Bay and Russia's far east coast. The Whale Sanctuary Project announced the news on their website. The news of the captive whales emerged in November and prompted international outcry. Many of them were babies captured last summer, and they were going to be sold on to zoos and amusement parks. You know, it's bad when Russia is less of a bad guy than the United States. Sure. SeaWorld still hasn't given up on that stuff. No, it's ridiculous. Oh, man, did you ever see Blackfish? I didn't see Blackfish, but uh, a few years before then, I'd seen The Cove, which was yeah. the, the dolphin version sure. of that. Um, and I mean, I kind of already knew. We all know. We know. We all know. And I remember even like going to Marine World USA as like an eight-year-old and being like, Mom, is this okay? And she's just kind of been like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't ask too many questions. Don't ask that question. Which of the following is not a species of whale? The bowhead whale, the fat-lipped whale, the melonhead whale, the strap-toothed whale. The bowhead? Nope. Strap tooth? Nope. What was it? The fat-lipped whale. Not a <laughs> it whale. was so ridiculous, I thought it had to be real. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, gotcha. Got me. Got me good. Yep. All right. Uh, while we are still in the midst of flood season, it's never too early to look ahead to hurricane season, Corinne. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah. The official start of hurricane season is still two months away, but early forecasts have been released this week from Colorado State University and AccuWeather. They anticipate a normal strength hurricane activity in Atlantic Basin. 
although that might sound good, it's actually a bit of a surprise, given the building El Nino, which typically dampens hurricane formations off the coastline. This year, forecasters expect 12 to 14 named storms, of which 5 to 7 will become hurricanes, and 2 or 3 will grow into major hurricanes with sustained wind exceeding 110 miles per hour. So, uh, can I say I've reached my limit of depressing news yet? And we yes. have one more story. <laughs> okay. And one more question. No question about the hurricane. Okay. The president of the Seychelles issued an underwater plea to protect the oceans this week. Pause. <laughs> Repeat. The what? The president of the Seychelles. Seychelles? Seychelles Islands, which is a nation off the coast of oh, Africa. Oh, like S-A-C-H. S-E-Y-C-H-E-L-L-E-S. Okay. And I only knew that because I'm literally reading, reading it off it. this paper. <laughs> All right. The president made his plea for stronger protection of the beating blue heart of our planet in a speech delivered from deep below the ocean's surface. Mm. Billed as the first live speech from a submersible. And he was 400 feet below the waves. It made him more determined than ever to speak out for marine protection, he said. We just need to do what needs to be done. The scientists have spoken, he said. Small island nations like the Seychelles, which has an average uh, height above sea level of zero meters, are <laughs> very vulnerable, obviously, to sea level rise yeah. caused by climate change. Land erosion, dying coral reefs, and the increased frequency of extreme weather events all threaten their existence. I like this gimmick that he was underwater because it maybe brought more attention to it. Yeah, and planned. he was underwater in like a t-shirt and shorts. Like I have a picture of him in it. Like it was just kind of a good time. <laughs> kind of ca- Ooh, a little too short on the shorts. <laughs> I'm going to say he should have gone, for being on camera, maybe he should have gone for a longer Bermuda style. Go for some pants, yeah. Go for maybe pants. <laughs> yeah, pants would have been better. All I right. appreciate the sentence. And your last trivia question. Yes. The Seychelles has a really cool flag. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I didn't even we'll show you know after this. where this is. Okay, well, then this is just going to be a shot in the dark for you. I can do this. How many colors are on the Seychelles flag? One, three, five, or seven? One? No. Damn, I five. thought it was dang. Hold on, let me show it to you. I think it's one of the cooler flags. I was hoping it was just like a pure black flag. Pure black flag. Flag of the Seychelles. Oh, yeah, okay, that's Yeah, cool. it's like an exploding starburst from the lower left-hand corner. It's of like blue, a, yellow, red, white, and green. You know Parachute Day? It just, yeah. That's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, it does look a bit like Parachute Day. <laughs> so it's a cool flag. Yeah. And that is the end of the news, Corinne. Oh, it was brutal a little bit. It wasn't that bad. No, I suppose. There were some, there were some ups. I liked the uh, embarrassing factors of what knowledge I don't have. I mean, I feel like that's the downside, the double-edged sword version of trivia, right? Is right. you want me to ask you questions, but... I mean, you know, and we're, we're, we are too uh, honest here to give you the answers ahead of time. I know. Yeah, this it, is, that's how you know this is a real podcast. What was your final score? You got a couple. I've got a few. When I did trivia not that long ago with some friends of mine, I couldn't get anything. I was like, oh, no. And there, the one question I got, and it, I felt like I completely redeemed myself, was where was Tupac shot and killed? And Vegas. I knew it was in Las Vegas. And I was like, I can't. I was like, no, I'm so proud. It's okay. I didn't know any of the science, but that's fine. I knew that Tupac was shot in Las Vegas. So. Great. I was pretty proud of myself. I do okay at trivia. You do really good, so I hate you, but that's fine. (laughs) All right, well. Yeah, that was the news, and now we can do some nonsense. I sent you an article earlier this week. Oh, that's right. Uh, Did you read it? Just barely, but I did. Just barely, but you did. So the title of this article, let me see if I can pull it up here. It's from the New York Times. was Climate Chaos is Coming and the Pinkertons are Ready. Uh, I had to Google who the Pinkertons are. So if anyone else here didn't know, just so see, you know. That immediately got the hairs on my neck sticking up because the Pinkertons are like famed enemies of the people. Uh, if you know anything about like working class history, 
of, of America, the Pinkertons are a private detective agency. They're most famous for like working in the old West or for like breaking old like coal miner strikes or like the homestead strike and things. Uh, they were private thugs for the bosses. They like to destroy unions. Yeah, they were well known for like in the days when unions were illegal, they would like break strikes and like infiltrate unions and, you know, shoot people, assassinate people. Yeah, they're not great. But they were like one of these old timey villains from what you think of as like the early 1900s or earlier than that. You wouldn't think of the Pinkertons today. So I was like, wait, climate change, Pinkertons? It was like two of my nerd things colliding. <laughs> the perfect article. Yeah, exactly. So definitely uh, clickbait for me. Who was this written by? Let's probably, we probably should give credit to sure. people who wrote this article. This article articles. is by uh, Noah Gallagher Shannon, and it was uh, published on the 10th. All right. Yeah, and so what, what I found interesting about this article, and you should all read it, like I said, Climate Chaos is Coming and the Pinkertons already, and there'll be a link in our show notes. This article is a perfect example of one of the ways in which the effects of climate change and the effects of these natural disasters that are coming and you know happening more and more frequently are not going to be spread evenly. One of the commonalities of disaster in the past is that we're all affected. The ocean doesn't care if you're rich or poor, right? Whereas storms don't care, wind doesn't care. But the reality is that the rich can escape the effects of these things and are doing so already, and that'll only be hyped up. So the gist of this article was that the Pinkerton Detective Agency has kind of, it's been alive since the back in the days when they were breaking strikes. And today they're repositioning themselves as this sort of global solution for like chaos for rich people. So essentially, if you're rich enough or you own a big company, you can hire the Pinkertons, you can contract out to them, and they'll do basically anything you need them to do for disaster management. People hired them during recent hurricanes or big storms to go in and extract people or protect property. So they'll go in and like guard your sites from looters. So basically, you're hiring a private army to shoot poor people, uh, which is, you know, again, what the Pinkertons have done their whole time. <laughs> But they'll also do things like, yeah, get people out of a disaster zone. They'll go deliver aid to people in the zone, but only the people you tell them to deliver aid to. So unlike, in theory, what FEMA should be doing, they're doing it for pay. They're the anti-FEMA. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I thought was really crazy in the article is it mentions that they're working, that they work on like an Uber model with surge pricing. You pay them a retainer fee, which is pretty cheap when there's no disaster, but then it like, they jack up the price when there is a disaster. Right. Uh, at least they're kind of uh, shiving the rich people, but they'll pay I guess it. we'll take it, but also... Ah. Sure, but it's still one of these weird scenarios, and we're seeing this more and more often. Like, we talked a little bit about the campfire and recent fires uh, earlier in the news section, and I don't know if anybody remembers, Kim Kardashian was on the news about how her house was being threatened, and she gained a lot of public sympathy, but what she wasn't mentioning was that Kim Kardashian hired private firefighters to guard her house and her house only. Right. And, and as if she it was her only house and that all of her belongings and she'd suddenly be destitute had that house burned down. Sure. No. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and other people in those neighborhoods. So like when the fires were striking Malibu and the, you know, the very rich neighborhoods in Southern California, people were hiring private security and like, po- you know, lots of celebrities were posting on Instagram pictures of like security forces with guns guarding their houses. I and had they- such a hard time feeling bad for them. Yeah. I didn't. I just well, it, didn't. Yeah. I don't shed, shed a single tear for any millionaire who loses their home. So that there's like two different realities. So like at the same time that that fire was going on and the rich people in the Beverly Hills. The campfire was happening at the same exact exactly. time. And the campfire, ha- the, the people that lived in you paradise. Know, paradise had like an average you know household income of like $40,000. Whereas, you know, up in Malibu was over $100,000. Right. And so the campfire didn't have the resources to buy private firefighters. In and fact, the city of paradise is gone. Yeah. 
And most of the firefighters, or not most, but many of the firefighters were inmate firefighters, people that are essentially right. slave firefighters. They're getting paid about eight cents an hour. Right, to do incredibly dangerous work out there. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty awful. It's just insane the level of disparity between what the rich are able to afford and what they're not. And then the other, the other side of this coin is that we learn more and more, or there's more and more articles in the news about just how disproportionate the cause of climate change is. So there was an article a few years back that said that, you know, the Fortune 500 or the Fortune 100, so like the top 100 companies, cause 71% of carbon emissions. No. <laughs> right? And I mean, this Not is... Not our good friends Exxon. Sure. Like there's a list of like 100 companies that have caused 70%. Do they have a list or, like, of the, the richest companies? 10%, the richest 10% people on the planet are causing almost all of climate change, essentially. And yet the the effects of this climate change, all these chaos, these disasters and stuff, they're disproportionately, you know, to the poor people. It's hurricane day. It's the campfire. It's, you know, these typhoons and stuff that are happening in the third world nations that they just have nothing to, none of the support systems that we have even here. Um, even the campfire had more support than a lot of these other places are going to get. Um, so it's just a real disparity between the haves and have nots when it comes to disaster, you know, I guess resiliency. That's crazy. I was at a new hire orientation for my state job and I'm there with a bunch of different people with different positions with the state and one of the union reps came in essentially to like get people to join because now the new thing is you don't have to join the union right you can choose not to and still receive some of the benefits that the union provides and I of course immediately was like sign me up signing all the paperwork uh the one person who I knew next to me was like uh should we sign up? And I was like, absolutely sign up. Do you want to keep your job forever? Sign up. And uh, I was looking around and there were so many people not signing up for the union. I couldn't believe it. And in that same moment, the person, the representative for the union was talking and was like, you know where you, who do you, where do you think your priorities at? Do you think the Rothschilds, something, they said something about the Rothschilds. And this woman spoke up and said, you know, they really donate a lot to charity. I nearly flipped over my desk and was like, so in this, this woman was not signing up for the union. And in that same moment, wanted to mention out loud to everyone how the Rothschilds donate so much to charity. And I'll be like, do you think they donate as much in charity how much they really should be paying in taxes? But I didn't get into it and it made me so mad. And I just, people, people are confused about how these companies actually treat them and, and don't have their best interests in mind. And it's amazing how they've tricked them. I don't know how they do it. But they do it so well. Yeah, there's this bizarre notion that like philanthropy is somehow a good response to these political crises. Like Bill Gates is like, well, we've talked about your hatred of Elon Musk, but like Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation donate millions of dollars and whatever else. And they do good work. I'm not saying they don't, but that's not a that's not a replacement for what should be done by the society, like what we should be doing as a body public for everyone in society. And we look at these people and say, oh, they're donating a small portion of their vast wealth to helping people. And it's like, no, maybe they just shouldn't have that vast wealth. And I if always, everyone had an equal share of that, we wouldn't need their philanthropy. My favorite thing is to just throw down like, well, wealth is immoral. And to see like the reactions among people around me. And like, nope, nope, nope. Gotcha. Okay. Well, just thought I'd mention it. Wealth's immoral, but that's just me. Yeah. You kind of open your coat pocket a yeah. little bit, show the communist <laughs> badge. Think? And then you're like, oh, nope. 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 All right. Close that All back right. down. Well, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> you just got to gauge it real quickly. Like you said, when you talk to people that are, there are so many people in unions that 
hate unions. I don't get it. I don't know how. I felt bad for the person that was talking. I want to. I almost want to sign up and be like, listen, I need to be in the union. I need to do these speeches because you guys are coming off poorly, and I could see some areas where we could improve. Uh, because <laughs> I'm sure they would love to have you. They they don't. People are like, what is this? They just want to take my money, and I'm like, do you know how many raises you're getting because of this union? Do you know how literally much every of, dollar you've ever made do- is due to it? You know? Do you like two days off? Do you like having you like not an dying in a factory week? fire? Yes. You like yes. Like have an OSHA at all? Like, you think that the unions dissolve, we will all of a sudden uh, continue to have those rights? You don't think the eight-hour workday will be on like that? Because they're I already know rolling it, it back. Will. Well, I, I mean, look at well, look like the this drive in the new economy, the gig economy, gig economy. which is really targeting Horrendous. the last few unions. Like think about what Uber and Lyft are; they're replacements for the taxicab union. And so in places where taxicab drivers could earn a living wage, like in New York or, you know, in uh, London or these big cities, they're being decimated by gigs who can't even, you know, who pay them piecemeal and don't provide, you know, benefits, don't provide anything. And they don't have the same, you know, train. It's, yeah, it's terrible. And we see time and again, the, you know, the last few vestiges of unions in the show, you know, being decimated. And we wonder why we're also increasing social inequality and, incre- right. you know, and poverty is going up and all these other things. And people don't see the connection. And yet so many poor people are like, unions, they're just these bloated. And all they're doing <laughs> is filling their own paychecks. And like, that's a good argument to get involved in the union and make it better. It's right. not a good argument to get rid of unions. All I, ugh, I, when I was at that desk, I was like, everyone who was around me that wasn't signing up i was like hey what just curious why wouldn't you sign up for the union like well i don't know just some more money i'm like do you do you know that if you uh, sign up for this and you have uh you know some sort of conversation with your boss that may result in you losing your job if you say i'd like to have my union rep, rep- like here how quickly you will keep your job and they're like oh, i didn't really think about that and, and so i was like kind of half like trying to get the people around me to sign up for their unions and I, I just couldn't believe, I can't believe how good of a job business have done at making people believe unions are evil. Sure. For the people. There's also the whole, I hear it quite a bit that like. We don't need them anymore. We don't need them anymore. As they if like they've their done job. their job. Yeah. Corporations are now good. As if, you know, like they say, well, you know, maybe we needed unions back when companies would, you know, make you work out of 60 hour days and work kids in coal mines and not give you, you know, anything. You sure. guys. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> one of these things where it's like, what do they think will happen when you get rid of the union? They'll go immediately back to it as they already try and do. I mean, think about how job union jobs have been going overseas because they pay them too much or whatever. Right. Well, that's just rich people looking to exploit poor people. Right. Like, we should be fighting that, but it's not the union's fault. It's the, the succubus at the top. It's the, you know evil people that are like trying to exploit the poorest this just reminds me i need to it's join not the i need to be a union rep <laughs> yeah <laughs> this, is, this is i've decided i need to be a person that goes around and sells people on the union that's what i need to do basically yeah i i'm just blown away i'm just blown away who doesn't trust their union um so yeah i back to our article here well, there it was, was tangently quote. related yeah tangently related i know i'm i'm always gonna go on a pro <laughs> union uh thing Right. We're nearing May Day. We, we were talking about r- rich people giving charity as being, you know, specifically. Oh, I know the trail we okay. took. Okay. I, I, I'm fine. It, it was going related. Down that path. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, yeah. So there's this. Art, there's a quote from this. For the Pinkertons, the bet is twofold. First, that there's no real material difference between climate change and any other conflict. 
And as the world grows predict- more predictably dangerous, tactical know-how will simply be more in demand than ever. And I think that's absolutely true. And that goes to the heart of what we're trying to do. Because if you don't prepare for your- yourself, like the alternative is that these people will be prepared. These psychos. Yeah, there's another side to this Pinkerton coin. Well, maybe we'll talk about this in a week or you know, next time we get a chance to have a conversation. But like the Pinkertons are being hired by rich people. But there are other groups that are also filling these vacuums. There's militias that have come in. And other armed groups that are not working for rich people were working for their own semi-fascist needs. And they're just as dangerous. And they're, you know, they provide a populist alternative to the sort of like oligarchy that the Pinkertons are supporting. So like the Pinkertons are working for the bosses. But in Hurricane Harvey, we saw actual right-wing militias go in and provide, you know, relief to victims in towns and kick FEMA out of towns because the private militia was doing it and like this is the future that was already existing like i i've spent a lot of time thinking about this aspect of disasters like this is where i get you know i think maybe i'm a little conspiratorial but this is real like this is the pinkertons really are gearing up to pay to get rich people out of disasters the right-wing militias really are providing disaster relief right now and i only worry about like how that ramps up and how that connects to some of these other issues on our public lands yeah i mean you look at like the bundys and the yeah I, I just i don't know i i am constantly as this podcast might tell i'm constantly thinking about the future and what these disasters hold and what that means for the body politic of america and I, this is not a good sign that the pinkertons are getting more and more popular again because hey remember what happened the last time the pinkertons were working around not good for people so yeah anyways read the article and then go get yourself ready for disasters join a union yeah join, join a union. union join the wobblies if you don't if, you're, if you don't have a union yeah unionize all right we're gonna end on unionize yeah so yeah thank you guys for listening you know what we need to do corinne what one thing we're not good at is we're not giving our information (laughs) there's a lot of things we're not good at one thing we don't do is give our information at the top because mm. some we people remember at the bottom yeah we always do it at the end of our show but so few people actually listen to the final it's message long, yeah. like i always listen to the very end of shows but you're a freak yeah i'm a weirdo and i've i like was reading some stats that like some people never make it more than like five minutes into podcasts so yeah, that's probably fair. We, yeah we should probably be giving this at the heating beginning up. next week heating up podcast uh, at gmail.com if you want to email us uh, give us a review on iTunes or talk to us on Twitter or Facebook. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you think you have an interesting subject you'd like to talk or be a guest on, let us know. We'd yeah, we're definitely you. actively looking for guests right now. That's like kind of the next phase in the show is bringing on some guest speakers. We've reached out to some people. We'll be reaching out to a lot more in the next few weeks. So hopefully in the very near future, we'll be getting guest hosts and cool stuff happening. So we'll keep you in the loop as that happens. Like I said, you can meet us at the Earth Day Festival on the 28th here in Sacramento if you're local. Otherwise, yeah, reach out and we'll respond. So yeah, have a great day.